How do you describe what's wrong with medicine? How do we get here? I think what's wrong with our healthcare system right now is who is responsible for that individual's health. Real solution to healthcare is us individually becoming our own best doctors. And so a lot of people will say there's no money in healthy people. And, you know, that's true if the economy doesn't shift or doesn't change. There is money in healthy people, just not with the way the economy is set up right now. Ready to live at the higher vibrations, where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey everyone, it's Robin Openshaw, and welcome back to the Vibe Show. I don't know if you're thinking detox yet, but we are over here at Green Smoothie Girl, and I want to invite you into my video masterclass about what I learned over the course of 25 years of studying human detoxification, how to make it simple, how to make it doable, um, and how to really turn your life around by getting a lot of the toxicity out of your body that's holding you back and that's contributing to disease states and symptoms. And so we're really going to kick it off big first of the year, like we always do, but you want to get educated about it early. If you want to jump in on my free video masterclass, about the Green Smoothie Girl 26-Day Detox. And the most important things that I've learned about detoxifying along the years of my research, jump in at greensmoothiegirl.com slash detox. And you can be watching those videos between now and the first of the year as you're thinking about what changes you want to make so that 2020 is your best year ever. Meantime, I want to introduce you to my friend Sachin Patel. He's a philanthropist, he's a father and husband, and he has a a functional medicine practice success uh, coaching um, business, and he's a speaker all over the world, he's a best-selling author, and what he's going to talk to us about today is this philosophy he has that the doctor of the future is the patient. Okay, let me say that again, because I think it's really what brings us together here on The Vibe Show is this very concept the doctor of the future is the patient. And so his whole goal is to keep people out of the medical system by empowering us through education and self-care and really remapping our mindset. So Sachin founded the Living Proof Institute and he had gone through his own personal transformation. And now he goes all over the world and he coaches practitioners in how to step into their power to really help people be well and really help empower whole communities. And so he he does a lot of community workshops and he's really advocating for changing up the whole healthcare paradigm. So I think you're really gonna enjoy this interview today. So welcome to the Vibe Show, Sachin Patel. Thank you, Robin. I appreciate us getting a chance to connect and dive a little bit deeper into our favorite topic, which is health and wellness, prosperity and abundance. So thank you, I appreciate this opportunity. Yeah, this is going to be some really deep stuff here. I'm excited about it. And just to set this up, um, everyone, when I was looking at Sachin's bio, I was like, you know, I know he's a doctor. Why does this say nothing about a doctor? Um, And so I did the intro with no credentials. And then, you know, you and I were talking and I was like, why am I not talking about you being a doctor? And it turns out that's a great way to set up what it is you do and why. Awesome. Well, thanks. Uh, Thanks for diving right in. So we're going to go uh, back to 
many, many years ago. And, and so I started off and I'm trained professionally and retired my license in great standing because what I want to demonstrate to people is that the doctor of the future is the patient. What I want people to know is that the real solution to healthcare is us individually becoming our own best doctors and not necessarily going to see a doctor. You know, 90%, I would argue 90% of what people can do to unlock their health is completely up to them. And so I'm trained as a chiropractor, studied functional medicine, and, you know, built two practices using functional medicine. And then I transferred into coaching. So I coach healthcare practitioners. And what I realized is that I knew so much information, but there was so much of it I couldn't use. And there were so many things that I couldn't say that the truths that needed to be spoken because of my license. My license was essentially a muzzle for me because there's so many injustices that are happening and there's so much opportunity for people to really leverage themselves. And nobody's really talking about it because a lot of people in the medical profession have something to lose, which is their license. And so the majority of my income at this point was coming from coaching healthcare providers. So I wasn't actually in practice seeing patients. I have a team of practitioners that now sees the patients and it allowed me to really unlock my own voice and speak the truth and say things that other people may not be willing to say. And so your refusal to put doctor in front of your name, even though you earned that advanced degree and did the work and treated patients for many years is part of your paradigm to uh, sort of elevate the patient and empower the patient and have the practitioner step back and be a collaborator. Is that it? Exactly. You know, our ethos for our company is that the doctor of the future is the patient. And, and I feel that that's really the only solution because even if we were to train every practitioner as a functional medicine practitioner or whatever you feel is the best system of healthcare, there clearly will never be enough of us to help all of these people. You know, there's nothing that can save somebody from themselves. So we've got to become our own best advocates of our own health. And really nobody should care about our health. It's impossible for somebody to care more about our health than it is for us to care about our health. And so, you know, that's really what I want people to get is that there's so much that they can do for themselves and so much that they can leverage that, you know, they can really influence the results far more. And of course, in emergency situations and acute scenarios, that's a little bit different, but in chronic disease, I mean, what we're capable of is just absolutely astounding. And, you know, we need to, we need to take ownership over that. And I think that's one of my missions is to get people to take ownership over their health. Well, you're totally singing our song around here. And my story starts 25 years ago when Western medicine failed me and nearly killed my child with the injections he was given that set his health way back and that we still have this day, we, we still deal with. And I started to ask myself questions, well, what shots am I going to give him? And if I'm not going to, you know, keep, you know, tripling the number of vaccines uh, that my child gets, what else, what other things maybe that we're being prescribed aren't working for him since he's in and out of emergency rooms and hospitals and, and doctor's offices and on all kinds of meds. And, you know, since I took control of my family's health, I haven't put my children on any medications, uh, no antibiotics in 25 years, which I don't know that there's a family of four who can say that. I haven't found one yet. People should write me if you've had four children raised to adulthood without being on a, an antibiotic. But my kid was on 
liquid steroids and bronchodilators and antibiotics, and I just didn't know any better. And it's like I took the wool off from in front of my eyes and started to learn this world that you're deep in as well. And so I want to know what what took you there and how do you describe what's wrong with medicine? What, how'd we get here? You know, if, if I just sum it up in one sentence, I think what's wrong with our healthcare system right now is who is responsible for that individual's health. You know, we've, you know, you think about how much time people spend in school and there's no meaningful education that they get about how to take care of their beautiful bodies, right? Like we should be learning about our own personal health every year in school, like something meaningful. I mean, imagine what potential you could unlock in somebody if you actually showed them how to leverage this meat suit, so to speak, and this consciousness that we have and turn, you know, turn this into something amazing, turn our lives into something amazing. So I think that there's, it's purposely left out, in my opinion, out of the curriculum. If you think about it, there's three things that they don't teach you really meaningfully how to do in school, how to grow your own food, so how to feed yourself, how to take care of money and uh, grow it and invest it correctly and, and manage it correctly. They don't teach you anything about that, meaningful at least, and they don't teach you about your health. And those are the three most lucrative industries that we have. So if people reclaim their health, learn how to manage money better and started to grow their own food, even some of it, I mean, our economic system would collapse the way it's designed right now. And so a lot of people will say there's no money in healthy people. And, you know, that's true if the economy doesn't shift or doesn't change because healthy people have different spending habits. And if there's more healthy people, then you increase what healthy people buy. And guess what? The, with the economies of scale, being healthy becomes more affordable. So there's a different economy that will exist. You know, and our current system is set up in such a way, I kind of visualize it like somebody drowning in the middle of a pool with a life jacket on. And, you know, you throw them a life jacket and one of those life jackets are toxic, but they dissolve every half hour. So you've got to throw them another one and that's a drug. And the other, the other life jacket is a dissolving life jacket as well, but it's made out of natural straw. And so, you know, you're, it's kind of this, that's kind of how green medicine is, right? We're not really teaching the person how to swim. And when somebody's drowning in a pool, then the economy is going to scale in the direction to make cheaper life jackets. But when that person learns how to swim and get out of the water, they're going to need running shoes. So a new economy will be built. So there is money in healthy people, just not with the way the economy is set up right now. So that is very, very visionary. And you have a lot of hope that we're going a better direction. What gives you hope in that? Well, it's... (laughs) it's not even about having hope. It's about having a sense of purpose that that's one of the reasons that I've been put on this planet. So it's really interesting, uh, Robin, to be totally uh, open and honest with you that this, I feel like this is my calling. This is a direction that I'm being led in, right? So to get spiritual here for a second, this is the direction I feel like I'm being led in. And now I view it as a responsibility. And so it's what I would consider my dharma to, to really change the narrative. I mean, if we're, the future is only grim if we're not willing to do something about it. And we can certainly, we owe it to our children, uh, you know, to at least try. And if we're not going to try, then what's the point? Yeah, I totally agree. And I sort of peeled away the layers of why I do what I do full time now. And it was because at first I was going to save my baby's life. He was failure to thrive. Um, really very near death many times between his first and second birthday. And that was when I used to go into the doctor's office and put the responsibility on the doctor to make my son healthy. And every time we left, things just got worse and new symptoms and more drugs. And that, that little path that I took to becoming empowered and educated and changing our habits, um, 
was, you know, is the most motivated patient there was, right? Like I had a baby who was going to die. Um, and so I don't think I'm more courageous or better than other people who are still walking in the doctor's office and, and tasking that doctor with returning my child to health. I just was, uh, I was extremely motivated because he came so very close to dying so many times. But for a while, I thought it was about saving my son's health. And then all the, th- all the changes we made totally turned around the health of the rest of us who didn't seem like we were like near death over and over again, but we started to thrive where we weren't. And then I started doing these little classes in my kitchen and like 20 neighbors would show up like on New Year's Day for me to teach them to make a green smoothie. And then I did little things in my community and like 135 people showed up at this little health food store for me to do a green smoothie demo. And and then it's become this thing where there's a podcast and hundreds of thousands of people reading our newsletter and whatever. And so I've been led here too, Sachin. And I appreciate that you're following what your heart tells you is your highest and best purpose because I didn't picture any of this. I didn't imagine any of this, but I'm just going with it. So I'm I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Appreciate that. I'd love for you to tell us where you're taking medicine and how you're doing it. Awesome. So, you know, for me, what here's here's the thing. What we're trying to do at the moment through our institute is we've we've got a proven track record helping some of the and unfortunately some of the sickest people in our community and some of them are local, some of them are all over the place because uh, you know we get to the root cause and what we try to focus on is getting to the emotional root cause, the spiritual root cause, the physical biochemical root cause. You know, so we look at people from a multi-dimensional uh, perspective and. You know, in current medicine, there's really only one touch point, you know, and, and with the litigacy of medicine, doctors are really relying a lot more on lab work. And lab work, you know, is not, it's a snapshot in time. So it doesn't really paint the picture of what that person's physiology is going through on a regular basis. So it's almost like taking an image of a couple and pretending you know all the nuances of their relationship. They might be smiling in that picture, but they might be, they may have been fighting on the way there. So, we have to really look at uh, health from that perspective and realize, okay, there's certain things that we can measure transiently. And there's certain things that we kind of need to really work with and measure in real time. And so what's cool about modern technology and advances that we have is we use neurofeedback and visual feedback um, and give people a, an amazing perspective on their health and what's going on inside their body uh, in real time. So there's been an amazing set of advancements in, you know, in wearables, for example. So an aura ring is something that I wear. I use a, a heart math device, which is something that helps me, you know, tonify my nervous system and train my nervous system to be more resilient to stress. And we can really shift somebody's healing potential by bringing some of these health strategies into their home. And that's what I believe is a solution is giving people a better understanding of how their body works. So we're not fighting disease as a health strategy, we're creating an amazing life. And that's part of our health strategy. The thing I remind people of is that your health is your foundation and your ceiling. And so, you know, it's going to lay the foundation for your life because you need health to live a great life. And it's also going to be the ceiling. It's going to limit your, whatever your potential is uh, as well. So if your health is a six, then sadly, everything else in your life is less than a six. Right. So if your health is a six, your relationships aren't going to be a 10. It's impossible because there's something missing there. And that's that vitality. So I look at somebody's entire life being limited by what their health potential is. And so we want to really get people to not wait until they're sick 
and then learn the best foods. Like I don't want people learning about, you know, what you do and what I do after they get cancer. It'd be nice for them to know these things before they develop, you know, these challenges and problems. Because then imagine if they were drinking green smoothies for 50 years instead of abusing their body for 50 years. Imagine the potential of that person spiritually, emotionally, physically, biochemically. I mean, you know, that's really how we change the future is by, you know, not by building cyborgs and robots and stuff like that. It's by really unlocking our own inner potential. And, and I feel like we haven't really quite achieved human, you know, 3.0 yet. I think we're kind of stuck in that 2.0 and we're looking outside of us to find all the answers, but I really think the answers are inside of us and we've got to, you know, focus inward and we're going to really see an amazing shift take place in, in humanity and, and in consciousness. It's pretty, pretty epic when, when I can see it in my head, right? Sometimes it's hard to articulate, but you know, that's what I hope for. And that's what I'm going to work towards. And I know that's what you're going to work towards. And we're going to, you know, climb this mountain together. I've had so many conversations with functional medicine practitioners, including Dr. Petra Wichel, who runs the former Paracelsus Clinic in Switzerland that I've taken people to for eight years now. Um, I'm running my liver detox retreats there next year um, in May, June. And she always tells me like my the same thing I've heard from so many other functional medicine docs here in North America. I just wish I could get people when they were upstream. I wish I wasn't always dealing with the people who've already gone over the waterfall and I got to go figure out what got them here and we got to back that up. And I really relate to that, um, even though my interaction with people is on scale. It's on a much larger scale in that, you know, every January we have a few thousand detoxers come into our 26-day detox that I spent many, many years developing um, in research and, and putting it into practice. And, you know, we were out there on the internet sort of as these like uh, sort of an earthy, crunchy mom, you know, like I'm looking to keep my kid healthy. I'm willing to do things for my children that many people aren't because they either haven't gone over the waterfall yet or for whatever reason. And so that's who was doing our detox. And then a couple of people, a couple of my colleagues uh, told their audience, told their huge audiences about my detox. And these are cancer people and autoimmune people. And it was like the whole, like supporting people in that detox completely changed and that's when I could really relate to all these practitioners who say, I really wish I could just get to the patients before they're totally catastrophically sick. I wish I could save more of them from, you know, going over that waterfall. And what you said a minute ago reminds me of that saying, I haven't been able to find who says this, but a man with his health has many dreams. A man without it has only one. And it's like you said, if your health is at a six, then everything else you could possibly achieve in life, you know, you're going to hit your head on that ceiling of six. And I think of people who are so advanced in their careers and they've, you know, got all this education, all this experience, they're basically an international treasure, but they've got, you know, terrible heart disease or they're battling some autoimmune condition that keeps them from being productive even eight hours a day. And it's just, it's an international tragedy because that's happening on in, in scale. And so tell us how you're working with doctors, because you know what, Sachin, I... I'm a little bit frustrated with functional medicine because of, and you alluded to it, that over-reliance on labs. And I see so many of these, you know, and I wouldn't even blame the doctors necessarily. It's just like, they're such, they're so on the brink of this next frontier where so many patients are turning away from the, give me a pill for everything approach. And and I just see too many functional medicine doctors who, I, probably because they just can't learn it all. And they're kind of out on their own trying to find answers and they really love the labs 
and they really love prescribing supplements. And a lot of them, it just kind of stops there. Like they just kind of hawk their favorite uh, supplement line because they understand it. So where are you taking the the movement and, and the many functional medicine practitioners that those of us listening to this go to, how are you helping them get out of, the, that's a limiting mindset. It's not just Western medicine. It's also some of our functional medicine practices that seem limited to me. You know, you bring up a, a very great point and I'm, and I'm glad we get to address this. So here's the thing. I think that there's, you know, a very important thing that naturopathic medicine taught us and that's the therapeutic order. And that therapeutic order, you go from the least invasive things uh, to the most invasive things. You don't start with drugs and surgery, right? That's the last resort. You start with lifestyle, emotions. You start with, you know, so many different factors. Of course, nutrition is a big one of those as well. And, you know, one thing that we see is an overcomplication of health. So here's the reason that we will never find solutions using our current paradigm of health. And this is you know, this requires people to kind of expand their mind a little bit and, and be open to a new concept, which is hard for people to grasp initially. And that is called fractal mathematics. So the human body, all of mother nature, everything you see in the world is built on a fractal mathematical platform. And in a fractal platform, you have infinite surface area, which means you have infinite data storage capacity, which means you have infinite intelligence. So woven into everything is essentially a fractal pattern. And so nature is very, very complex. That's why, you know, if you look at research and science, there's more and more studies being published every year. And so the irony in that, it's kind of a double-edged sword because the more research we're doing, the more questions we have, which, is, which means the less we actually know. And so nature has infinite complexity. The human body has infinite complexity, but it's that complexity that creates sophistication because there's an innate intelligence and that sophistication allows us to take care of our health very, very simply. So our current medical model is trying to match the complexity of the body, which it'll never be able to do. Bruce Lipton calls this the cosmic joke. And what we do at Living Proof is our objective is to leverage the simple things that people do and realize that those things that you do affect thousands of processes in your body. So for example, somebody going outside for a walk in nature activates thousands of different processes in their body. So they're getting fractal stimulation when they're seeing nature because, again, nature is built on fractal architecture. Um, so that's feeding their brain with information. It's activating their right brain, unlocking their creativity. They're getting fresh air. They're getting sunlight. You know, they're circulating their lymph. Like, and there's thousands of things that are happening from that person doing something that simple. And so simplicity is really the answer. And so if we're, if the solution that you're providing, which um, you do, right? You try to keep health simple, not complicated, is leveraging the sophistication of the body and following the principles of nature. The moment we start getting super complicated and trying to match the complexity of the body, we automatically set ourselves up for failure because we're uh, trying to understand a system that has infinite capacity and infinite intelligence and infinite surface area and, and infinite nooks and crannies of hiding new information. So that's why, again, Bruce Lipton calls this the cosmic joke. And so that's the big difference. Um, that once you see it, you can't unsee it, but a lot of people haven't seen it quite yet. And this is why herbs work so well in the body because you know, herbs are built using the same fractal mathematical architecture versus synthetic supplements are not built using that same architecture. They don't have the same embodiment of intelligence that a natural plant would because again, the mathematics are different. That's so interesting because I just today interviewed Hyla Cass, um, who's a psychiatrist. Yes. You probably know her. 
and she was talking, you know, about the same thing, but with different words. Um, she was talking about the entourage effect and how you can't really just isolate one nutrient. And it's just such a seductive idea to patients. They love the idea that if I can just isolate this one magical thing that was in this plant, and we know that this plant that we eat conveys these properties or these health benefits. And so then we want to let a pharmaceutical company, because pharmaceutical companies own most of the supplement companies now, like isolate it for us. It's just, and it's, I think it's failing more and more of us. So as we start to go to functional medicine doctors, seek them out, pay out of pocket, some of us, um, and I think insurance plans are going to start to adapt to this new model where people get to seek out different types of treatment. What's, what are some, well, talk about some of those simple things besides you mentioned going for a walk and like talk about some of the different aspects that come into play from this one simple thing. People don't, it's like Naaman in the Bible, you know, like you go down and you do something simple and you, you don't have a lot of faith in these simple things, but you're saying we got to go back to these simple things and they have many, many positive effects. Yeah. So Steve Jobs echoed Leonardo da Vinci uh, and what Da Vinci said was that the greatest sign of sophistication is simplicity. So think of your computer, right? Like we're both using a computer right now. If this, if we had to understand the complexity of the computer to be able to use it and understand how every component of it worked, then we probably, you know, wouldn't. It would be way too complicated to use it. What makes the computer sophisticated is that it's simple to use. And so the body is the same way. If you were if you believe in a grand design or whether you believe in evolution, it's, um, you know, it's irrelevant in this case because uh, we're, we're proving this through mathematics and we're proving this through within the current paradigm of health. We can prove it and we can also prove it in the new paradigm of health, which is you know, driven around self-care and you know, really unlocking your own uh, inner potential. So, you know, for example, a, a good example, we've got, we've got something that we call the daily dozen for people and it's 12 simple things that they can do and they can hold themselves accountable to it every day. One of them is joyful movement. And so joyful movement is different than exercise because uh, exercise is something that people may not want to do. They always feel better after they do it, but some people don't want to actually do it. And so joyful movement is different. It's doing something that you love doing and doing it consistently. So you actually look forward to it. And of course you feel better afterwards. We also want to promote stillness and meditation, but we actually want to build resilience. So we actually give our clients a heart math device, which then gets them to understand how to get themselves into a parasympathetic state. The secret to all health uh, is the tone of your nervous system. So when you're sympathetic dominant, which is fight or flight, the average person, they're in fight or flight all the time, right? From the moment they wake up in the morning, they've got to get the kids to school. They've got to make their breakfast if they're eating it and they've got to rush to the office. And that's the majority of people. And so they start with stress, 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 and their job keeps them stressed. They come home, they have stress. And and so they're sympathetic dominant. Interesting fun facts about sympathetic dominance. When you're uh, in fight or flight, you have an 80% decrease in the blood flow to the liver and kidneys and the digestive system. So imagine, Robin, somebody's doing your detox program and we want to get them to, you know, have an amazing response. Well, if they're sympathetic dominant, they're going to have decreased blood flow to their detoxification organs because detox isn't important if a lion's chasing you. And so those systems downregulate because the blood flow downregulates, right? I've got to send that blood to the arms and legs. Uh, so I'm taking it away from the core and where I send flow is where I send function. So if I decrease flow to a body part, then I decrease the function of that body part. And so 
you know, getting people into a parasympathetic tone is extremely, extremely valuable. And every nasty chronic disease lives on the on the sympathetic side. So the, the healing takes place on the parasympathetic side. So meditation, it's not just about stillness, but it's about building resilience and we use heart math to do that. We also get people working on their relationships, you know, not just with themselves, but with their coworkers and their peers and their friends. And if they've got old grudges, they've got to work on getting rid of those because those can be very toxic to the emotional health of somebody. We also provide our clients with a gratitude journal. So they document what they're grateful for because gratitude rewires the brain. We also get them spending time in nature. You know, interesting fun fact, somebody who sits inside their office all day at their desk gets less fresh air than somebody who goes outside and smokes. So I'm not suggesting that people start smoking, but just interesting fact that, you know, people spend a lot of time indoors in toxic air and, and the toxic environment. There's EMF, there's blue light, there's, you know, mold. I mean, a lot of buildings have mold nowadays. So there's all these environmental uh, issues and getting outside actually activates your creativity. It, you get fresh air, you get sunlight, you know, you're retraining their circadian biology so that now your brain knows what time it is uh, of the day. And then we also want to get people to eat lots of plants and plants and herbs, you know, provide a lot of nutrition. You know, I'm personally um, as close to vegan as you can possibly get. And, you know, I try to, my diet is, is, is completely plant-based, so to speak. And then deep sleep. So the deep sleep is huge. In fact, I didn't tell you this before, but last night I had food poisoning and still trying to figure out what happened, but you know, I couldn't sleep all night. I threw up a couple of times and this afternoon, this today was a really busy day for me. And I, listen to my body and I skipped my team meeting and cause I didn't sleep last night because I knew how I wanted to feel for this conversation. And so that two hour nap, like did me wonders, you know, most people try to push through it. They take coffee, they do this, they do that. You know what? I needed to get parasympathetic so my body can heal and repair cause I didn't do that last night. So valuing and honoring sleep is huge. And the most successful people that I know honor their sleep. It's, it's, it's a priority for them. Just like exercise in the morning might be a priority for some people. That's, uh, the priority for people uh, as well. And then I tell people to speak their truth. So if we keep our emotions and stuff bottled up, that's going to be a big problem. Uh, it can it can really impact us uh, in a negative way. And then hydration is another big thing. You know, most people are dehydrated and there's been times where I feel uh, I could do better with my hydration, but that's something that we get people to focus on. Simple things. Sunshine is another one, healthy bowel movement every day. And then journaling. You know, journaling is extremely powerful for people because it gets them to you know, kind of dump things emotionally if they wanted to and, uh, you know, unload on their journal, so to speak. Wow. Those, uh, those daily dozen habits are really simple. And I, I hope that everybody wrote them down or at least, uh, listened to them and evaluated how many of those are you doing? And yeah, the, the sunshine thing, you know, and some of us are heading into six months right now of no sunshine. I'm going to have to go, I'm going to have to go to someplace sunny last year. I never went and I really, felt the impact of that because I get so much charge from the sun. And, and, you know, I teach people ever since I wrote the book vibe, which is about all the things that raise your vibration. And you just named them like you just sort of, you know, wrote the cliffs notes of the book vibe is I said, drink a glass of water. If you're feeling stressed out, if you're in sympathetic dominance, drink a glass of water, go outside, lie down in the grass, in the sun, and take deep breaths and think about what you're grateful for. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> it's so simple, right? Well, and life-changing. Yeah. And here's the beautiful thing is that we have 25 years of research that demonstrates this. So the tone of your nervous system is, is so critical. So I, I do want to spend maybe a couple of minutes because this might be the first time people are 
are hearing um, this concept. So our stress triggers actually occur in the limbic part of our brain. Our prefrontal cortex, which is the front of the newest part of, of the human brain, that's the part that you know is our intelligent and thought process part. The limbic part of the brain is not so intelligent. It's just trying to recognize danger in your environment and it creates a physiological response before you even know what's happening. So this is where people get stuck in knowing how they should respond, but their physiology beats them to it because their limbic brain is, is wired in such a way. So a lot of times it's people's subconscious uh, associations that are creating stress in their lives and then they're constantly fighting their nervous system. So one example would be, you know, it's important for people to address their subconscious stress triggers, um, not just do yoga and not just do meditation as a retaliation for being triggered. So it's, you know, I think of yoga in some cases like a fire extinguisher, right? And that's how some people use it. You want to use it as a tool, not as a fire extinguisher. You want it to use it to build yourself up, not put out the fires that your emotions are creating for you. So emotions are a big part of people's physiology. And the moment they get triggered, then what ends up happening is there's an immediate shift in the function of every organ and every cell in their body because now the nervous system is telling the body we need to go into fight or flight. And so virtually instantaneously, the liver shuts down, digestion shuts down, the pancreas shuts down, kidneys shut down, reproductive organs shut down, blood sugar goes up because cortisol's main function is to raise blood sugar. And then you have an increase in breathing. Your mouth dries up because making saliva is not gonna help. Stomach acid is very metabolically expensive. We're going to shut down production of stomach acid. And so this concept is, is very well documented in the medical literature. We know this. And so the beautiful thing is that the opposite of this is where actually our healing journey takes place. And so if we can get people to shift to becoming more parasympathetic, that's where all of their goals are. That's where their goal for better detox is, their goal for better sleep is, their goal for better uh, you know, weight loss and digestion and immune function and blood sugar regulation, all of those things live on the parasympathetic side of the fence. So somebody who's sympathetic dominant, taking the best supplements, following the best diet is not going to get the same results as somebody who's not taking any supplements and being in that relaxed state. You know, one thing uh, I tell people, I ask people, Robin, and you've, maybe you've asked people this too, is how many days into your vacation does it take you to feel better? And most people will say three days. Three days in, my pain is gone. I'm happy. I'm excited. I'm like, okay, so I just proved to you there's nothing wrong with your body. <laughs> so most people, when they're on vacation, they're not eating healthier. They're probably not compliant with their supplements, but it's the state of their nervous system that changed. And now they're starting to feel better and they're feeling amazing. So it's, it's actually cheaper for, for people to go on a vacation for a month depending on what part of the world you're going in, than to you know, buy all these supplements over the course of a year from a functional medicine practitioner. You know, so I, I think there's a lot of things that we can be doing for ourselves that you know, supplements can't do. But there's things that supplements can do for us, especially if they're herbal-based, that, um, that we can't do for ourselves. And of course, there's this interaction, right? And sometimes we might be, if we're eating certain foods our entire lives, then we might not need to take them in an acute dose of, of supplementation because that plant would have been, or that herb would have been doing its job. But there are, you know, many plant-based products that can, that can address infections and, you know, like H. pylori and can reintroduce nutritional status to somebody or, you know, um, bring them up to a certain point. But I think that ultimately it's important for us to develop skills versus taking more pills. And, you know, that's part of the direction, unfortunately, that uh, some practices tend to go in. And so our mission, to get back to your original, original question, 
was is is really to help practitioners look at health from a new perspective and prepare themselves for a new paradigm in health because that's the health that they want for themselves that's the health that they want for their families what they want is uh, their kids to you know not just stay healthy but to be healthy you know health is going to be our greatest competitive advantage it's not going to be education here in the next decade or so health is going to be the greatest competitive advantage that a person can have and so um, it's important for us to recognize the value in it. And so the healthcare I want for my family is not for us to live, you know, um, an unawakened life, so to speak, and then develop some chronic disease and then be thankful that there's a cure for it. I'd rather not, I'd rather not live the life that created that disease in the first place. And so if that's what I want for my family, why shouldn't I want that for other people's families? Why should I want for them to wait until they're sick to come and see me in my functional medicine practice after they're a decade deep into finding out what's wrong with them? So, you know, it's wishful thinking, but, you know, we've, uh, it's, it's my commitment to do whatever it takes to, to move the needle in that direction. Yeah. So many things that I want to ask you about, including I want to make sure that I ask you about how you're raising your kids that is different than, than everybody else is. But first of all, I want to mention that um, we're grateful that you're here with us, just knowing that you were, how very ill you were last night and you wouldn't know it today. I'm glad you took care of yourself and thank you for being with us after all the you know, things you've had to cancel and how you were feeling last night. And I'm really sorry that you had, um, that you had food poisoning. You know, we were talking a minute ago about these, these daily dozen that you're trying to get practitioners to help their patients with, um, that would be so useful, you know, more useful than just a pill for every ill. And it reminds me too of the flip side of that is, and we talked about, you know, just like doing six things at once that I tell people to do if they're having a terrible day or they're chronically stressed out, just go outside every day, get yourself in contact with earth, get the sunshine on your skin, do it for 10, 15 minutes, meditate and feel grateful and hydrate before you go out there because you're an electrical being and all that. But you know, you mentioned, um, uh, you know, you called it limbic brain, but as a psychotherapist, I trained myself to think of it as lizard brain. I'm not the first one to call you know, when you go into your limbic brain, you know, I'm not the first one to call it lizard brain. But one thing that was very helpful to me early in my practice is that the more I learned about the way the brain works, the more I realized that if I'm not mindful, I live in lizard brain where most human beings are just constantly vigilant on the lookout for anything other people say, for instance, is some kind of insult to my ego or some kind of personal attack on my safety. And when I got really clear that I don't want to live in lizard brain and that I'm better than that and I want to live in the front of my brain where I can live in compassion and generosity and kindness and forgiving and love, those are the high vibration emotions that we talk about in Vibe and that we often bring up in the show. And so I just want to point out that those daily dozen that you are very committed to bringing people back to those basics, since most of us aren't doing most of them every day, um, those are the things that take us into those, you know, even, even frequencies of calm and peace and joy and love. You know, the way I look at it is it's like a plant, right? So if a plant is wilting, I'm not going to start doing genetic testing on it right? Or start running labs on it. I'm going to ask myself, am I giving it enough water, sunlight and nutrition through the soil? Is the temperature right? You know, is it an indoor plant? Is it an outdoor plant? So I'm going to start asking myself really simple questions. And usually the answer is really simple. Hey, I need to do more of this or less of this. And what's interesting about that concept is that you can't 
you can't take a, a plant and put it in the closet in the darkness and say, hey, I'm going to water it more to compensate, right? You've got to be doing all those things, not just some of those things really, really well, because they all work together, right? There's like a web-like fashion through which these strategies work. And so when clients call me and they say, hey, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not feeling good or I thought I'd be feeling better, I just tell them, send me your daily dozen because that's where we want to start, right? And if we're not doing these things, then we're never going to reach that. And these are the basic fundamental requirements. I mean, this isn't asking much when you really think about it. You're already doing a lot of these things. Just be conscious about them. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through the ones that I remember. Joyful movement, stillness or meditation, forgiveness, mm -hmm. gratitude journal, eat mostly or all plants. And Sachin and I both eat virtually all plants. Um, hydration, speak your truth, don't stuff it sleep, deep sleep, a nap if you need it. Sunshine, did I mention that? Yeah. It's a quiz. What'd I miss? Um, I think you I'm pretty impressed actually. So <laughs> uh, journaling and gratitude, I think you can probably combine those two and then healthy bowel movement. Oh, yep. Yep. <laughs> nice. Well played. And of course, all, you know, some of the other things you said cause that, you know, if you eat all plants, you know what? I've never said this on my podcast before and it may or may not fit here, but people, if you eat all plants, you don't have stinky poop. You just don't. Am I wrong? <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't know at this point, but I would imagine so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, um, I just had a conversation with someone close to me about that. I'm like, well, you know, if you just stop eating dairy products and for the most part, animal products in general, that your poop doesn't stink anymore. I mean, anybody ever smelled horse poop? So uh, what I'm saying is eating all plants helps the healthy bowel movement that isn't uh, constipated and hard and uh, foul smelling and all that. It yeah. just comes through. I mean, if you smell, if you smell a cow's dung, because uh, in India, they use cow's dung to build like patty huts and all kinds of stuff. It's like a building material there. And you would think it would smell, but if you were to use a dog's poo, it would be horrible, right? So certainly, you know, meat-based uh, diets tend to produce stronger smelling stools. Yeah. And, you know, what we feed our dogs and cats is pretty gross. And that's why their poop is so awful. Well, cats, because they also eat animal products. Of course, it goes right through, true. So it's not as it's not as bad as if people eat animal products and it may stay in their intestines for days or weeks. Um I feel like this model that you're moving to is where doctors become coaches more. Can they make a living doing that? Do we have more of a market for the health coaches? Because, you know, there's some doctors now who are like, listen, I can't hold people's hands and teach the classes and these simple things and get people to like get my hands dirty, going into their house and clearing out their pantry and teaching them to eat differently. Is that why we have all these health coaches popping up and all these certification programs? Do you think there's a big role for health coaches or do you just want to see the practitioners come down to that level? Well, I actually wouldn't say come down to that level. I would say go up to that level. Yep. So, you know, to me, that's really, really important. And, and you know, the, the key is you got to build a team around you and there's different ways to, to educate people. And maybe, you know, part of somebody's strategy might be going into people's homes Part of their strategy might be doing training videos or you can even do it through zoom nowadays right you can have somebody use zoom on their phone or you can do a walkthrough of their entire house if you wanted to and there's so many ways to, to to deliver this right and to share this information and to get it out there you know here here's what i think i think that the way our healthcare system is set up right now clearly is financially failing so 
What I've learned in the past is when something is failing miserably, just do the exact opposite. And the answer is so simple. I don't, I don't have to measure anything. I just have to do the exact opposite. And so uh, if I can do that, then it's a blue ocean strategy for me. So our, our objective, you know, and this doesn't have to be everyone who's listening's objective is to really get people to learn how to take the best care of themselves possible. And what I do strongly feel is that a coaching component is extremely important. And I love coaching. I mean, that's, I mean, who as a practitioner isn't in some way coaching their patient, you know, so I think coaches play a huge role. I just spoke at the FDN conference. I'm a huge supporter of uh, health coaches and the role that they play. We've got a couple of health coaches in our practice that, you know, add uh, an amazing element of, of care and compassion and, you know, they're, we're able to leverage their skill set uh, as well because coaching is different than being a practitioner, right? It's a different skill set. And it's something that certainly we can develop over time. But I do feel that having a coach or having training in being a coach is quite powerful. I'm, one of my clients that I uh, train one-on-one, he's a medical doctor. And, you know, one of the first things I had him do is take the FDN training, for example, because I wanted him to become better at being able to coach his patients towards health, but he's not going to be prescribing moving forward. He's going to be coaching them, you know, to make better decisions, you know, a pill you can prescribe, but a skill you have to coach somebody into doing. Well, I think it's a brilliant model because I think that if people's doctors will lead the way and teach the classes and do the zoom calls and require these things of their patients, then we'll get a lot more compliance. Um, but you know, we, we really need to task our healthcare practitioners with that because we, we call it healthcare. So time for them to step into it, regardless of the deficits in their training, you know, in medical school, I just, just this week, I went to the screening here in Salt Lake city. They didn't even tell us where the film was until the last minute, but it's the vaxxed two film. And I've recently just uh, interviewed Stephanie Seneff of MIT and Bobby Kennedy and talked to them about, you know, issues around vaccines. Can't talk about it anywhere else on any other platform, but I still feel like I can, I can explore those subjects here on my podcast. And they, they went all over the country, 45 different, um, 45 different cities or 45 of the states with this bus that they you know, printed vaxxed on the side of it and 7,044 vaccine injured people signed the bus. There wasn't an inch left of the bus left to sign, but they had a lot of doctors show up. They had pediatricians, they had internists, they had GPs, they had PhD immunologists show up and say, yeah, we have a major, major problem with what's in what we're injecting people with. And they got on the bus and they went on camera and they had the courage to say, nobody taught us anything about what's in these vaccines. Nobody taught us what's in here. Nobody taught us how they worked. And they they just told us we needed to inject everybody who comes into our office on schedule or or there will be hell to pay. And so I, I love the idea of just busting the whole model wide open like you are, but in such a gentle way that you're doing it. How will a patient see, because I'm dealing with the actual patients, not the practitioners for the most part, although we have a lot of health coaches who follow us. How can they get involved in your movement? Where where can they find you? Um, how can they, I know you're into community building as well with this. This has to be in the communities, which I love. How can they be involved and how can they get a different kind of functional medicine care if they're just going to these chiropractors and naturopathic doctors who run labs and prescribe supplements? Well, you know, I think there'll always be a place for that. And that's something that we do offer to our more complex cases. So I do, I do want to, um, you know, 
let people know that, that there are going to be instances where you need to dive a little bit deeper, but you're always going to have to do the self-work and that's going to get you amazing, amazing results. I mean, that's going to get you much closer to what your potential is and it's going to put you in the state of healing and repair. So our primary objective, Robin, is, is actually to keep people out of our office. I know that sounds kind of weird, but we actually have a program. And if you go to www.30in30.org, 30in30.org, what you'll see is you'll, um, there's an opt-in page there and people can go and they can sign up for our 30-day program where we give 30 of our best tips away. And I take people through my condo at the time. I live in a house now. And, um, you know, it, I just show them the basics, the fundamentals. And that, that video series was recorded four years ago and it's just as relevant, if not more relevant, uh, today. So we've been preaching this message for a long time and we want people to be able to do their part in their health. And then if they want to learn more about our practice, they can go to www.becomeproof dot com and they can learn more about uh, some of our uh, services as well wonderful and last question how are you raising your family um that's that looks different based on your knowledge of this more holistic approach to health you know it's really amazing to me i love this question uh, and you know i could talk a lot about this but i'll keep it brief is that you know really changing his belief patterns uh to fit you know, a more positive narrative of a future. We don't have cable television. So I think that makes a big difference. So he's not being programmed, so to speak. We don't really listen to commercial radio. Um, you know, my wife and I really, the, the best advice I can give a parent is be the person you want your child to become because they're watching you. They're watching everything and they feel you too. They feel your energy and they feel your sympathetic or parasympathetic tone. And that part of it is very important. So it's not about telling our kids what to do. It's really about showing them what to do. So for me, being a father is my most important role and my most precious role. And I'm trying to, it forces me to be hyper-conscious, um, especially around my son, because I want to role model uh, health for him. Well, I'm glad that you figured out so early, Sachin, that they're watching you because my four children are adults now. They're 19 to 26. And there isn't a day that goes by that one of them doesn't say, you know, mom, you used to do this when we were growing up. And I am not sure that I was nearly as conscious as you are, that everything that I was doing, they were taking note of, and that I was their role model in all things, in all things until latency phase took over and they started looking more to their peers. But um, I, I'm not going to say I wish I had it to do all over again, because I think there were many things I did right, but there were some things that I just wasn't aware of. And so you are so right. The things that we say, the lectures that we give, even the food we put on the table isn't as important as how they watch us running our own lives. So thank you for living yours in such an exemplary way and for having such a big mission. Um, any final words for our audience? Well, I want to say thank you for everyone uh, for tuning in and you know, expanding your mind and expanding your consciousness. And thank you, Robin, for this amazing opportunity to share this time with your community. You know, really what I want to leave everyone with is there's an amazing life that awaits each and every one of you. And, you know, if you can unlock this potential just by doing the simple things that Robin and I talked about today, then it's, it's pretty amazing how fast that shift can take place within days uh, for many, many people. So, Thanks for tuning in. And again, Robin, I appreciate this opportunity. 